Uh, this morning, we have the honor of having a special guest with us. Um, he is a dear friend to us in so many ways, namely that he was friend and pastor to our dear brother John Duke, a pastor here for 27 years. And brother Charles uh, and brother John walked together from about 1966 on. And they had tremendous experiences together. One of my favorite things is to listen to Brother Charles tell stories about the times he and John were together. And they're just some of the best stories ever. Uh, and he has been a dear friend to Brother Curtis as well and known him even longer. Uh, not that Curtis is that old, but... Um, <laughs> or Brother Charles, that's right. <laughs> Thank you for bailing me out on that one, Hermania. Uh, uh, and their history is so rich. One of the great things we have in our church is history. And we don't want to lose our history. We don't want to forsake what God gave to us and spoke to us in the days of past. We have things he needs to speak for today and the future, but if we forget what he spoke in the past, how will we be faithful to the things he speaks in the future? And so we're grateful for our history. Don and I have a very dear friendship with Brother Charles. He performed our wedding in 1986. He uh, ordained me in 1987. Uh, he has spoken into our lives in so many ways. He is a dear friend to this community. If you're new to us and coming around, I know that you're going to be richly blessed today. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And there will be things that can change in your heart. Let's receive Brother Charles Simpson. Wow, the introduction was so good, I didn't want you to quit. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I, I love being here. In some ways, it's difficult because it brings back so many memories. And um, when you get our age, um, most of your life is about memories. And uh, of course, there's still more to do, but uh, I appreciate so much being here. Brother Curtis, uh, just uh, we had such good times and uh, fellowship with one another in the Lord. And John, I guess, from a ministry standpoint, is my best friend. Uh, we shared so much. We were in New Orleans, I don't know why, but we were there driving. I was driving and John was with me and we got so high in the spirit. I said, you hold the wheel, I'm gonna get out and run alongside the car. <laughs> A lot of stories. I don't know if it's possible to turn the spots down any if you, if you can. If you can't, don't worry. I'll just pretend I see people out there. But I, I'm light sensitive. That's about the only way I'm sensitive. But anyway. I really... Uh, well, there's just so much I could say. I appreciate being here when Anna's 
going to Lebanon. I told her we'd been to Lebanon years ago and have fond memories and appreciate her. Appreciate her, her spirit, her heart, and pray uh, God bless her, her ministry. Today I'm going to try to do the impossible, and I, I trust you or I wouldn't be doing this. And if you get through before I do, I understand. I, uh, but I'm going to talk about touching the eternal. And let's pray together. Help us, Father. We're so limited. We're made in your image, but it's just a small, small depiction of who you are. And as we grow, we know more, we see more, but there's so much more. And I pray you'll help us today and I want to thank you for those who were faithful stewards of what they knew about you, what you told them, what you did. I know, Lord, we wouldn't be here without them. And I pray you'll help us to be that faithful. I pray for those who come after us that they too might feel the holy responsibility to handle eternal treasures. We thank you for both those who came before us, those who are coming after us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me to the book of Romans, the 11th chapter, or if you just want to listen, or if you want to read on your cell phone. <laughs> when, I, when I first saw people whip out their cell phones, when I was telling them the scripture, I thought, what are they doing talking on their phone? Anyway, now I use my cell phone. <laughs> my, my. <laughs> I was born and, and lived in the swamp when I was a child. My father was a missionary, too, and my mother was from there. And anyway, cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Okay. Romans eleven thirty three through 12, 2. Uh, my, my, I get caught up in my own thoughts. And verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways are past finding out. How unsearchable. Say that with me. How unsearchable. We, we're going to search, though, this morning. For who has known the mind of the Lord? 
or who has become his counselor or who has first given him given to him and it shall be repaid to him or of him and for of him and through him and to him or all things to whom be glory forever amen i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My mind. I'm going to talk about touching the eternal. God, um, I want to say God has a problem. God doesn't have any problems, but unless it's us, but um, He has a problem translating his perspective to something we can understand. Um, have you ever thought of something that you wish you had known earlier? Anybody here? Um, it would have saved you some trouble if you had known it. How many of you knew? How many of you know that God already knew it? Why didn't he tell you? I don't know for sure. Maybe he tried. I don't know. And then maybe he didn't want to scare you. I don't know. I said, I don't know. I'm just saying. Is there more we need to know that might help us in the future if we know it? That might hurt us if we don't know it? Is knowing some things that God knows important. How many of us think we already know what we really don't know? <laughs> the smart people laughed. That's right. If we knew more, it would change how we look at right now. Our perspective. Everybody has a perspective that is how you look at it. Nobody has God's perspective. You might have a little piece of it. And if you do, it's because he showed you, not because you knew it. We can't know the future by speculation, only by revelation. If God doesn't show it, you don't know it. And if you know a little bit, doesn't mean you know a whole lot. <laughs> Isn't this edifying? <laughs> I was having a discussion one time with four guys that I worked with, and they were very smart, smarter than me, and older than me. And uh, I had a high respect for him, and we were having a debate, and I, I was obviously shorthanded. 
and about a particular issue. And, and I said, let's look at this from God's perspective. <laughs> it was a joke, by the way. <laughs> the problem is we don't have God's perspective unless he shows us a little bit of it. Our problem, and by the way, we live in a world that's at odds with itself. It's in a self-destructive mode. And so is our nation, and too often so is the church. That's the tragic part to me, is how much the church is attacking itself. Uh, and the reason is because we all have our own perspective. And our perspective, if held too tightly in ignorance, can hurt others, can hurt ourselves. And we live in a culture, especially with the internet and our access to so much information that is in self-destructive mode. We're attacking not only in this country, but all over the world. And of course, I believe that Satan is the author of um, conflict, but we contribute to it by thinking that how we think is how God thinks, and it's not how he thinks at all. And our perspective will change whether we realize it or not because as our location changes, that is our situation, and the time changes, we're gonna change. Either that or you'll die in your ignorance. But change is part of time. Now, I'm gonna get a little over my head, but help me and pray for me. Um, time changes. If you're not aware of that, you will be. It changes you, it changes situations. It doesn't change God because he's not in time. It doesn't change natural law because it's written into creation. It doesn't change the law of sowing and reaping, for instance. It doesn't change Gravity, it doesn't change a lot of natural principles, but it changes us. And if we can anticipate that, it will temper how we view things, and especially other people. Our problem is we live in a time perspective or a location perspective. When I was a child, I thought as a child, Paul says, I spoke as, as a child because that was my perspective. But when I became grown, I put that kind of thinking away. The tragedy is everybody's not like Paul. Sometimes we don't put it away. We bring it with us like a bag of trouble. We can only no future, even how we're going to be in the future. 
by revelation from God. Speculation is not revelation. Did you ever speculate about somebody and find out they weren't like that at all? I'm sure nobody here has done that. We're all Christians. But um, a friend of mine who is a welder, a blue-collar guy, and a good, good man, does mission work too, said God rebuked him for looking at the container and not the content. Great saying. We don't always, well, let's put it this way. We seldom know much about the content. What we see is the container. And we, we see the way things look now, and that petrifies in our thinking, and we have trouble changing how we see things. Israel died in the wilderness because they couldn't change their perspective. Their thoughts, the further they got away from Egypt, the more it crystallized on a past that wasn't really true. They thought, actually, slavery wasn't so bad. <laughs> it was when they were in it. But when they got out of it, they thought about yesterday. The hard thing the older you get is not to think about the good old days and how bad you like where it is now. Because the older you get, the more you tend to crystallize in your habits and preferences and get comfortable in what no longer exists. And then it's easy to look negatively at everything going on now because it doesn't measure up to the good old days of slavery. We have, we have some work to do with our perspective. When people saw me at a certain stage, they thought, I wish that boy was more like his daddy. And um, then time came along and I became a minister, which shocked a lot of people, and you've shocked a lot of people, I'm sure. I shocked them both ways. Um, and then became like my father. People take a picture of me, and I think it's daddy. You know, there, there's change. And um, then they think you're a saint. And uh, that's not true either. I'm not going into that, but um, it's God has ways of helping you with your humility. I got a letter from a lady. I don't know if I ever told you. She was trying to be nice. I'm sure she said, Brother Charles, you have sown much seed and spread much fertilizer. <laughs> One lady said, we, we love you, Brother Charles. We named our dog Charlie. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> our problem is perspective. Let's say it together. 
Our problem is perspective. We know in part. When that which is perfect is come, complete, then that will be done away. Um, when the rapture comes, however that happens, on the way up, we're going to say, I've never seen it like this before. And we need to anticipate that, that one day we'll see the world differently. The uh, astronauts, uh, I'm going to take my watch off. It doesn't mean a thing. Uh, I... Uh, Astronauts see the world differently. They can see that it's round and not flat. Some people need to get a little higher uh, because it looks flat to us. I mean, perspective comes from location. The more your location changes, the more your perspective changes. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, I can't talk very eloquently about what God sees because I don't know. But I believe he sees everything from the beginning to the end. If there is a beginning and an end, there is with us. The, the eternal we, we think of that as a long time. Everlasting God. He just keeps lasting. That's, that's the effort to translate the untranslatable into something we can understand. The truth is, it has nothing to do with time. There is no time. There never was any time. There's never going to be any time there where God is. He created time just like he created everything else. And I'm not trying to get deep. I'm just telling you, it is deep. We can't comprehend. I, I, I've, when, I'm just sharing some thoughts that I think God put in my mind and from the scripture and there's a lot of scripture about the way God thinks. In fact, he wishes that we would think more like he thinks, but he doesn't want to hurt us right away. Um, my, my. There are levels of perspective. If you and I are smart, we'll try for a higher perspective and not just localized, crystallized, prejudicial, self-centered, whatever, perspective. And know that there is a perspective that is incomprehensible, one to which he is conforming us for that day when we'll be with him and we'll start seeing more like he does. 
Don't you wish the world thought more like God? Don't you wish we could be conformed to his image more perfectly? Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever is our terminology. Jesus Christ, the same, is logical from their God's term, terminology because it's timeless. He's just trying to explain something to us. He sees the end. God doesn't prophesy. People do. He tells you something, you prophesy. But he's already seen it. <laughs> it's not that, it, and God is smart. I mean, what a statement. <laughs> but he's already seen it. He's not predicting anything. Are you there now? He's already seen it. He's already been there, done that. And he's trying to give us a little bit of what he's seen so we can be ready for what we haven't seen yet. How many of you know we need to hear him really well? Because often we're on a path that's going to hurt us or hurt someone else. There are a lot of people in prison, a lot of people in the graveyard who couldn't change their perspective. They didn't get an idea. An idea got them. I've talked about the astronaut's perspective. That's nothing compared to God's perspective. I was reading recently, <clears throat> there are two official timekeepers in the world, one in England and one in the Rockies. And <clears throat> the one in England is 80 feet above sea level. The one in the Rockies is several thousand feet above sea level, and they don't keep exactly the same time. They're both official, but the one in the Rockies is a few milliseconds slower than the one in England because it's higher. In other words, the further from the earth you get, the more time slows down. Astronauts who are on long space journeys age slower than those walking on the earth. Now, that's a, that's a scientific fact. Now, theoretically, you could take twins and send one of them to a distant galaxy, leave his brother or sister on the earth, and when he returned, he'd be a year and a half younger than his sibling. Again, that's scientific. Now, so the further away from Earth's gravity we get, 
the more things slow down to a place where things stand still. And then you're in God's time. There is no time. Now, why am I, or why is God saying this to me or to you? Be still and know that I am God. Not you, not me. God's not asking us what he wants to do and all of that. Eternal. The everlasting God. I'm in awe. I'm sure you are. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18, beholding him, the veil is taken away. You see, Moses saw God on, how, how does anybody fast 40 days and nights with no food up on top of a mountain and see the glory of God? How does that happen? You ever been in a place where time passed and you didn't realize it? You ever been in a meeting? You know, meetings used to last a long time. Now they're a little bit quicker. Um, our our, our uh, attention span has shrunk. True. That's scientifically provable because commercials come at least every eight minutes. And they used to be every 15 minutes before that. Anyway, the quicker commercials come, the more our attention span shrinks. Of course, you do have an on and off button you can push, but everything is speeding up. Now, young people, please don't get upset, but you talk faster than I do. <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to decipher. I feel like the chipmunks, you know? It's fast. It's not just my hearing aids. It's my brain. It works much slower. I hope that's what it is. The um, my our perspective. Moses was up there forty days and forty nights. He didn't say, "Lord, I got to run back down." Um, <clears throat> time stood still. When I got baptized in the Spirit, I was in a prayer meeting five hours. I'd never been in church that long in my whole life. And when I walked out the door and the sun hit me in the face, I thought, I've been in there five hours. Immediately I felt proud. I'd never been in church five hours in my life. But, but, but what happened in the presence of God, things slowed down. It's a place we want to stay. We're being touched by the eternal. 
We need to get there often. Um, when Moses came down from the mountain, his face shined. People said, what's going on with Moses' face? He had to put a veil on so he wouldn't hurt people. You know, when you get filled with the Spirit and in the presence of God, imagine 40 days, but people see something. And uh, Moses had to put a veil over his face. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just being cynical. Anyway, the... Uh, <clears throat> Too many of us people ask, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's not a veil problem. Anyway, he, he, Moses wore a veil. And um, anyway, I won't go, go too far with the veil thing, but people wear veils for different reasons, but um, because they're sad sometimes. But the Lord says, when Christ comes, we can take the veil away and we can behold him. And beholding him, we're changed into glory, from glory to glory. Radiance. Um, when we've been touched by the eternal, People know something's happened. You see, too, too much we're built on a memory of that happening. But the memory doesn't glow. The happening glows. And, and thank God for the memory. And we need to remember. We, we don't need to forget we're here because of a great revival. And they were here because of a great revival before that. And the revivals of the presence of God has kept the church alive. And when the memory declines, the church declines. And then it's time to hunger and seek God. And when God comes, the veil is removed and we are changed, transformed. How many of you know the church needs a transformation? all over the world. If, what's going to happen? How's it going to happen? Not because we tell them it ought to happen, but because of a visitation. When his presence comes, there's a little song we used to sing from glory to glory, he's changing me, his likeness and image to express in me. All things work together for good, the Bible says. Romans 8, 28. It's a great verse. To those that are called according to his purpose. But it goes on in verse 29, which we don't memorize, to conform us. All things work together to conform us to his image. And I might add, to his perspective to view it. Now, I'm going to, well, we've, we've got to change our perspective 
on God, we've got to change our perspective on ourselves. You see, Israel, <clears throat> they still had a slave review of themselves. And they came, they, they could have gone through the wilderness in two weeks. But it took them 40 years. The wilderness you and I go through a lot of times, we could get through it a lot quicker. But we'd have to change our perspective on ourselves. You see, they came to Kadesh Barnea and they sent spies over into the land. And the spies came back saying, yes, uh, it's a wonderful land. It flows with milk and honey. But uh, there are giants there. And we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they turned back. And later they realized they had missed the moment. They had underestimated God and their own calling. And so they decided they would go back. But it didn't work out. A lot of them got killed. Because they couldn't change how they saw God. They couldn't change how they saw themselves. Now, it's not that we should be on an ego trip, but the presence of God makes you more than you are. You see, when David went after the lion, God was with him. And when God's with you, you think you can handle a lion. If he's not with you or you don't think he's with you, that's a whole different thing. And the bear. And then, of course, the giant, the son of Anak. And he was armed. And he was cursing and swearing against God. And David, the shepherd boy, <laughs> who came to bring food to his brothers, said, What's that guy talking about? Something in him rose up and made him bigger than he was and bigger than that giant. And he took his sling and killed him and cut his head off. And everybody said, man, this, this David, they started writing hymns about him. Well, it wasn't David. It was the presence of God that came on him. I pray the presence of God will come on us so that we stop seeing him in a limited way and ourselves as grasshoppers. But that we can get a higher view of all of it. Now, how do we how do we hear better? How, how do we see better? How do we move into it? it I, I don't want to leave us feeling criticized or <clears throat> condemned or, or even worse. Um, sometimes preaching has left people worse off. They felt beaten to, beaten to death. <clears throat> Sorry, I just remember how 
preachers used to preach on hell. And we need to let people know there is a hell. But you don't want them to feel like you want them to go there, you know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, there is a hopeful side. I love the story of Samuel and just drawing some things out of 1 Samuel 3. You know, Samuel's mother, Hannah, um, couldn't have children. And she was being ridiculed. And she prayed and she went down to the tabernacle to pray <clears throat> or went up to it. And Eli thought she was drunk because she prayed so intensely. She had explained to him she wasn't. And um, she, she conceived um, Samuel and promised God that if she had a boy, she would give him to God. And she had a child and gave him to God. And uh, anyway, and he, he was just a little boy. And um, Eli was the priest. And Eli, Eli was, uh, he got real loose with his responsibilities. And he had two sons that uh, used women who came to offer sacrifices to God and, and used offerings for their own benefit which is, of course, anathema. And um, so this is the situation that this little boy walks into. Uh, nothing he could do about it. But Eli, Eli still has the ability to hear. He's just not listening. And let me just wrap this up as best I can. It's hard. Um, forgive me. If, if God doesn't bless me, I get through quicker. Um, and I, anyway, so the Bible says he ministered to the Lord before he knew the Lord. That's happened. Anyway, and he... He was performing the duties that religion commanded. He was learning through ritual, and that's all right. But we have to be careful because that's not the end. And God will be speaking a lot of times in that, but we just keep doing what we're doing and not hearing what he's saying. Or even saying things that he wants us to do, but feeling good about just saying them. The scripture says he slept near the ark. What a, what a statement. The ark was the holiest thing Israel had. It was a, a sacred box that contained Moses' rod the tablets of stone, the law is written on, Aaron's rod that budded to prove he was the one, the true priest. I mean, this is a box of miracles and remembrances 
And that was the center. God wanted them to remember what he had done. Please don't forget what God's done. And so this little boy who didn't even yet know God slept near the ark, the presence. Boy, what a good place to rest. And God, I mean, he, he stayed close to God before he knew God. Isn't that something? Uh, anyway, my. And he had not yet learned to hear. He thought it was Eli. I wonder how many people thought it was the preacher and it was really the Holy Spirit. And they complimented the preacher, but didn't do what God was saying. Not that everything the preacher says you should do, but sometimes the preacher actually is giving the word of God. And so <laughs> he gets up, this little kid, I, can, I don't know exactly how old he was, but he gets up, he's, I don't know, six, eight, 10, could be 40, I don't know, you know. He gets up. And goes to Eli and says, you call me? Eli said, no, go back to bed. <clears throat> That's what Eli was doing. And so he was bothering. <laughs> he was bothering the pastor, making him think God was talking to him, you know. Anyway, and so this happened three times. I wonder how many times this happened in our lives. My. Aren't you glad for the patience of God? And finally, oh, Eli says, I know what's happening. God's trying to talk to you. Now, here's a person responding to the Holy Spirit who doesn't even know the Holy Spirit. He's trying. He does something. It's not the right thing, but he does it. He is... He is seeking. And Eli says, oh, if that happens again, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Speak, Lord. Let's say it together. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Your servant's listening. Are we listening? So he goes, lays down. This is number four now. And Lord says, Samuel, God knows your name. Yes, he, does. he knows all about you and loves you. Patient. Samuel, speak, Lord. He, he learned how to respond. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Little boy. And God says, son, I'm going to do something that will make people's ears tingle. And I'll tell you what it's going to be. I'm going to take Eli because he's been a negligent father in a very sacred situation. And I'm going to take his two sons all in the same day. Now you get up and go tell him. Whoa, I wanted to know. I just didn't want to do anything. <laughs> what? 
Go to Lebanon? <laughs> Be a preacher? Go talk to that person? Who do you think I am, Lord? A grasshopper? This kid had nerve. He got up, he said, Yeah, God called me again, Eli. Well, what did he tell you, son? He said, Well, it's not going to be easy. He said, I want to hear it. Tell me. Well, he said, You and your sons are going to die same day. It took, sometimes it takes a lot of courage. We'd rather not hear. I appreciate those that will tell it like it is in love. I don't think, I don't think Samuel was mad at Eli. But God's voice changed their perspective. Samuel, that's not the last hard thing Samuel had to say, by the way. He had to say some things to Saul, like God's taking the kingdom away from you because you didn't do what he told you to do. And there were other things. When he went to Jesse's house to choose a new king, he looked at all Jesse's sons, but one who was out in the field tending sheep. And he was ready to anoint Eliab. He looked like the next king. And God said, that's not him. Man looks on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. Go find that other boy. And he said, is there somebody else? He said, yeah, I got a young son. He's out there. Bring him in. And don't earn him king. He was willing to do the hard thing. When he, when his when his life was touched by eternity. Well, I don't know what God might be saying to all of us. I'm sure it's a personal thing. But God's already seen your future. And he's not He's not trying to be hard. He's trying to save you. He's trying to get you on the right path so you don't wind up somewhere you don't want to be. And honestly, the hardest lesson I've had to learn is I can't change anybody. I can think I see something, but you can't change. Only God can change hearts. You can love people. You can pray for them. But one little glimpse of the eternal makes a profound effect. When God reveals something, shows something, and he has vivid ways of doing it, and he's already seen it. Do you really want to hear? That's the question for all of us. Do we really want to hear 
what God has to say, what he's already seen. If it's pleasant, we'd like to hear it. If it's affirming, we'd like to hear it. What if it's correcting? What if it's even frightening? The humble will hear and be glad. Are we willing to change if he speaks? Are we willing to let go of a way of looking at something which is at best imperfect? And at worst, destructive. Are we willing to say what he says? Have we the courage of that little boy to get up and go and tell it? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for those that gave their lives obeying. I thank you, Father, for your patience with us and our religion without obedience. I pray, Father, you'll forgive us for thinking because it's the way we always did it, so we will always do it. I pray you'll forgive us and help us while not casting away our foundations, casting away our ignorance and grow and grow to have the mind of Christ who loves sinners and gave himself. Thank you, Father. Bless this house. Bless everyone here. Let your favor rest upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.